welcome, welcome to X-Rated Movies. Oh, that's fine. Okay. <laughs> I'm one half of your hosting team, Matthew Fisher. And the other half of your hosting team, Ryan Whedon. We are two guys that used to date. Now we don't. Now what do we do? Now we talk about movies, Matthew Fisher. So, I want to uh, uh, introduce you to uh, someone, or maybe more appropriately, something in my... Uh, ongoing crusade to become more and more hipster my first attempt at brewing beer was a abject failure but i will be trying again okay i was excited to try it yeah one day one day one day you know the quarantine has given me time to sort of pursue other interests and 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 avenues and and whatnot scholarly scholarly pursuits pursuits. (sighs) suddenly playing with yourself is a scholarly pursuit so today i want to introduce you to a small little batch of something that's right Little kombucha for ya. <laughs> You're Jason Schwartzman. <laughs> You're competing with him. You're going to start a kombucha farm, aren't you? <laughs> so uh, this one's a, a, a neutral spirit, if you will. Okay. Um, it'll have hints of green tea, but it's mostly just uh, water, honey from the Pacific Northwest, okay. and um, yeasty stuff, whatever and, the SCOBY is comprised of. Oh, any particles floating around your house? Yep. Okay. Don't worry. They made it into the bottle. <laughs> Hand me your glass there, sir. Let's get this good uh, pouring ASMR. Nice yeasty oh, particles. Lots of st- strands. It looks like... That's uh, you know it's good. P- pond water. Yeah. So, yeah, this is actually from the baby Scoby. Oh. Um, the mother, of course, spawned. And I took that spawn and put it into a different jar and put... Uh, water and honey in that and it it grew large and uh so a little over a week later this is what we're dealing with oh yeah i got a got that nice vinegary smell to it have you tried this one yet i have yes okay okay that's kombucha right kombucha it's uh this one's been chilling all day in the fridge but there's something about warm kombucha that i just i'm not quite ready to dive into yeah but uh yeah so this is I think just green oh. tea and some 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 honey. It's good. I like it. You were all worried. I could see it in your eyes, but uh, think of the poops that you're gonna have oh, after this. My, there's a garden growing in my <laughs> gut right now. Yeah, I don't know about you. I'm never okay with the word gut. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, like, like I have this like kombucha, the big book of kombucha. It's like an encyclopedia, and it's always like promotes gut health and stuff like that but i'm just like i don't i don't like that word how do you feel about uh the plural of it like guts that's even worse oh like you don't like all up and dem guts no <laughs> that's exactly what i don't like okay sorry every now and again if i'm like browsing the internet in a, in a lonely hour and i see something that says like up and dem guts i'm like nope <laughs> getting away from that one okay 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 question what, what about as a verb like if somebody's like uh in a, in a slasher I can movie. gut a fish. Yeah, they're getting gutted. That's fine. Okay. I think it's because the word guts to me conjures up images of like raw red meat. So like being up in them guts is like, I don't want to be up in that. What about gutters? <laughs> I can live with gutters. That's okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, like I can bowl without problems. <laughs> <laughs> You're not triggered by the sidewalk? No, no. Uh, <laughs> walking along the street is not triggering. It's still a safe that's, space for that's me. That's good. Okay, okay. I don't know. There's just something about gut or guts like on a person that like is really not my cup of kombucha. <laughs> there was a song that we sang at camp when I was in sixth grade that uh, was called Great Big Gobs of Greasy Grimy Gopher mm-hmm, Guts. Mm-hmm. I'm familiar with the song, oh, yes. Okay. Do you think that could be the root of your guts issue? Could be. Could be. I don't know. I, it's just like also like horror movies. I just think of like intestines like, you know, falling out of somebody, you know, like uh, that opening scene in Day of the Dead and there's all like the guts coming out of like that one zombie. I'm like, th- when I hear guts, like that's what I think of. Mm. Not to belabor the point. But uh, how do you feel about the television show Nickelodeon Guts? <laughs> I remember as a kid, I was like, I should compete on this show. And then, like, instead of actually competing, just, like, rip open my shirt and a bunch of fake guts fall out. <laughs> <laughs> and be like, I have guts. 
And then you're like, Matt Fisher fuckers, <laughs> and like flip off the camera. That'd be awesome. They'd never air it. But. Throw like a, a, a smoke bomb down and like a big plume of smoke comes up and it like disappears and I'm still there. Because <laughs> it's like in, in a big arena and I have no place to run. <laughs> You'd be legend. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I mean, it was never my favorite show, but yeah. I was a double dare kid. I knew I could do double dare. I knew it. Well, yeah, you have to go down a slide into some beans. Yeah, like anyone you could do pick it. Pick a nose. Yeah, <laughs> I could do that. You do it all the day for free. <laughs> I'm doing it right now. You could do it for money. <laughs> you think now if they did like a remake of Double Dare, they'd have like the kombucha pond that you have to like swim through? You think they'd have something that would make you healthier when you got to the other end? Yeah, how considerate of them. You have to walk across on the scobies that are floating. <laughs> oh, there we go. Now you're talking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Every fiber of my bean when I look at, at like my jars and containers because there's multiples of them now i look at it and i'm just like i'm supposed to drink this like every fiber of my bean is like oh this is garbage you should probably pour it down the sink and never think about it again so you mentioned room temperature yeah kombucha and that's how i had it the first time okay i was in washington dc on tour bobcats yeah bobcats and somebody had just a jar of it on their fridge and my bandmate Ashley was like, is that kombucha? And the person's like, yeah, you want to try it? And we're all like, I personally was like, fuck no. Yeah, but you, you just have these images of the first alien movie and like yeah. the egg opening up. like. But Ashley was like, no, it's this thing and blah, blah, blah. It's good for you, da, 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 da. And like the person who was growing it was telling me all these health benefits. I was like, you know, I'm 26. I'm game for anything. Let's try it. And I had a sip of it and I was like, ew, well... I'm like the kombucha girl, yeah. actually. Yeah, where you're like, no, no, thank you. Well, no. Well, <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, I've kind of grown to enjoy it. Mm, clever. Yeah. Yeah, I have three jars going at once. The one that you're trying now, that's sort of the base one, where uh, it was started from one of, of green tea and sugar, but now I've just moved it to be water and honey. If I so choose, I can use that one to come up with other different flavors. That's like my base one now. But I have two different sort of uh, ginger ones going at the moment. One's ginger and lemon, and then the other's just uh, ginger, and then they both have local raw honey in them. I look forward to <laughs> trying hearing, these hearing how those turn out. The, yeah. So yeah, you know, give it a week. They'll be ready. Watch your back, Jason Schwartzman. <laughs> so... Um, Matt Fisher's coming at you, and he has a podcast. So, <laughs> yeah, much bigger voice than Jason Schwartzman has right now. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Well, thank you for sharing. But uh, before we get into today's movie, the results are in. Uh, I mean, not really, but one of the results are in on what our listenership should be named. Right. Well, what they should not be named. Well, yeah, that's what we know for we certain. Clearly, no, y'all don't want to be called Nam. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, listening to the episode earlier on, uh, I was like, when I said like, uh, ma'am, maybe I, I could see them being fine with ma'am. I'm listening to them. I'm like, they're not going to be fine with ma'am. There's no <laughs> and, way they and are. Many of our listeners <laughs> came back with, don't call me ma'am. Jessica Baxter said that, that too many women of a certain age are called that in a condescending manner. And I'm like, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but someone, you know, <laughs> Emily Duncan responded with fuck off, Matt. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Less tactful, but uh, gets the point across. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same vibe, same vibe. So, So, uh, whatever we name our listenership, it will 100p not be (laughs) ma'am. Before we go any further, I think we uh, now that we've finished our kombucha, we need to get back to our regularly scheduled beverages. Oh, okay. Just like we need to get back to our regularly scheduled programming. Ooh, yeah, that was pretty smooth. Pretty. I think we only crossed like two or three lanes of traffic to get to the <laughs> off-ramp on that one, but that's fine. We were in the far left, now we're in the far right. Yeah, like, we're, we're still... We're, we're exiting. We're no U-turns, no 90-degree angles. <laughs> 
Yeah, we're still moving in the general same direction. Today's movie, folks, is the 1979 cult classic, The Warriors. So this was my pick. You, so you mentioned before the episode that you were a little unprepared for this one. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm starting to get a... Did you watch the movie in preparation for this? <laughs> Start sweating. <laughs> <laughs> of course I watched the movie. Normally I have sort of like a framework or like something grand I want to talk about with the movie. I don't really have that with this. I was kind of going on a feels. You mentioned at the end of the Death Becomes Her episode that you wanted to do something that was sort of felt like the end of summer yeah, with um, Near Dark. Near Dark, yeah. And I think I was in a similar mood when I picked this one. I want something that feels kind of end of summer, transitioning into fall. And so this movie reminds me of like that time period of the year. And uh, I think that's that's apt. It feels like an end of the summer kind of movie okay. to me. And um, I've only seen this movie twice. Same, uh, this is my second viewing. And I still really like it. I think it's a very unique picture. Your first viewing wasn't that long ago, if I remember correctly. It was 2008. Oh, it was? Yeah. Why do I have it in my head that like you watch this while we've been doing the podcast? I don't know. Oh, this is like how you thought I'd never seen the movie before. Yeah, we have odd ideas about how the other saw this movie yeah because no i probably also watched it around 2008 really yeah see okay so i went when when you said that you hadn't seen it i was like he said somewhere on the pod that he hasn't seen it and so i listened to both the xanadu episode which the main guy character in that is the main guy character in this movie because i was like maybe he said it there and then i listened to the commando episode because david patrick kelly is in that movie. Yeah. And so I thought maybe that's when uh, he mentioned it, but I oh, was, I've definitely no, seen it. Yeah. But you didn't talk about it because you'd seen it. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> that's why. Also, like this is kind of a genre movie that like I'm only kind of like lukewarm on. Mm-hmm. Like I like it. It's enjoyable, but I feel like this is one of those movies, especially for being a cult movie and considering most of the the film fans that I know personally vie for for cult films this is held in very high esteem. Uh-huh. And I'm like this is good but because I put a but anything other than direct praise seems like a criticism. And I'm like it's it's good. I like it. Yeah. But I don't think it's a five-star movie and a lot of my friends seem to think so i'm with you actually i i like it i think it's very unique there's some real good moments as an overall film i don't love it did you did you watch the the theatrical cut or the director's cut i watched the theatrical cut okay i watched the director's cut oh interesting okay so we're gonna have some so the director's cut doesn't really add much but it does these comic book sort of transition right where like it'll freeze frame and then like transition into looking like a comic book and the camera will like pan out and then like pan into another frame and that's where like the next scene starts so i mean overall it probably only adds like a couple minutes to the movie Mm -hmm. but it does change the feel like instead of just you know end of you know one cut and then into the next scene well, it has the little transition scenes. That was something I was kind of surprised by on this watch for me was that I remember this movie as being way more fantasy. Mm. Like I, I remember it taking place in some sort of like post-apocalyptic New York City. Well, it is supposed to take place in the future. It doesn't. It I, is. Yeah, but it doesn't say when. Where do you get that? I don't know. It's just maybe they say it like at the beginning or something like art. You know, in the future or in New York in the future or something like oh. that. But yeah. It is supposed is to take the place first in the line, like, man, it's hard living in the future. future. <laughs> well, the director's cut starts with like you know these ancient Spartan warriors. No, like, no, 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 really. Yeah. Over two millenniums ago, an army of Greek soldiers found themselves isolated in the middle of the Persian Empire, one thousand miles from safety. 
1,000 miles from the sea, 1,000 miles with enemies on all sides. Theirs was a story of a desperate forced march. Theirs was a story of courage. And it's like, and this is also a story of courage. And then it like, camera pans out and like zooms in on, on like, yeah, New York. Yeah. I read that the original story, yeah, is based on some like Greek myth or something. Well, isn't it based on the same story as 300? I don't know. Oh, is it? I think so. Oh, no. Like, like the tale of like the 300 Spartans, like trying to trek to their homeland. Well, I don't want any of that in my You don't analysis. want Zack Snyder infringing on your good Stop it. genre Stop it. filmmaking? <laughs> well, in that case, I want more fantasy. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember it as being some sort of, yeah, futuristic fantasy. Because some of the gangs in this are crazy looking. Sure. Like, that clown baseball gang. Yeah. Like, when they show Very up, clockwork orange. I'm just like... I have a lot of questions. I wish they'd almost like push that element of it more. Sure. Like, but that's I, also like a camp element. So I think it's like, that's the element that you and I like. Yeah. It's just such a weird tone shift when that game comes on where I think that like in my brain, I was like, oh no, this is a fantasy movie. It's also kind of like, I don't know, something about that first meeting when they're all, it's like all the gangs are coming together and they've all got their like special signifiers that they're in that gang. But it's not just like we're wearing a certain color. It's like some of them are wearing straw bowler hats. Yeah, and yeah. Like some groups are, you know, wearing overalls. And you're like... <laughs> Blazer with no shirts. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize that the lead guy in this was also from Xanadu. <laughs> Boy, what a filmography. He did like, Xanadu right after this. That's, you know, if you want to be remembered for an actor, get into those two movies. <laughs> I was also, like, deeply attracted to that guy, which also makes sense because I found him hot in Xanadu as well. Mm-hmm. Well, he's shirtless in this movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he's blazer full, but... That must be why I thought it was, like, summer. Because Talk about chafing. You couldn't wear that in cold weather. Yeah, I mean, there is sort of, like, this does feel kind of like a hot summer night. I don't know. Everyone's a little sweaty. Yeah, they can't be too cold if they're this shirtless. Right. But uh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot that I do like about it. Honestly, like the the credit sequence, I'm really on board with. Oh yeah, the music is great. Oh, the music's awesome. The economy of storytelling, just like. I also feel like the editing is really on point. Like the way that it kind of like intersplices people talking to shots of the subway with the credits rolling yeah. with that score. I'm all about that. And like, cause the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, you know, this is fine. You know, whatever. Flash forward 12 years before, until I watch it again. And I kind of was like, oh, was I wrong? Like, sh- should I be actively reassessing this? Cause like this, these opening credits are pretty cool. There's just, that's what I mean. Like, I think that as a whole, the movie is good, but not great. But there are great moments. And, mm-hmm. like, the opening credits are great. Like, I'm ready for whatever yeah. this... Like, the the first time I saw this movie was with someone. His name is Ryan Anderson. I'll throw that name out there. Ryan, if you're listening. Was hey, it a hey, date? Hey. We were seeing each other at the time. You dated yes. someone named Ryan? I knew you were going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what the sex was like. Oh, Ryan. Ryan. I guess it's not different from how I usually have sex. Yeah. <laughs> Even when I'm with somebody who's not named Ryan? <laughs> yeah, you're calling out your own name. Yeah, that's how oh, I do it. Ryan, you stallion. <laughs> Ryan, you're, you're not amazing. amazing. Ryan, you're not a man, you're a bull. <laughs> but he came over one night, and he's like, I brought a movie for us to watch. And I'm like, great, I love movies. And we plopped it on. And I thought it was like going to be campy because when Cyrus first comes on and is doing the like, can you dig it? Yeah. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? I was like, oh, this is funny. Yeah. But then like, it's, it's not like that was, that was supposed to be serious. Yeah. There is sort of like droughts of, of like fun and camp in the movie that, that, this is why I can't love it. But I mean the beginning of it also I like the way that the beginning is shot. Like Oh my god. After the gunshot, like after after what's his face from Commando and Twin Peaks. 
uh, David Patrick Kelly. Three first names. That's hard. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not for it. Um, guy, guy, girl. Make up your mind. <laughs> Guys can be named Kelly. Can they? Yeah, I knew several male Kellys in my life. First names? Yeah. All right. If you say so. There's bits of the direction that I really like when like everyone's fleeing from wherever they are in like That's Central good. Park. Yeah. Uh, I was like, this is just a lot to choreograph and organize like different hordes of people running in different Dozens directions. Dozens of people, maybe hundreds. And it, it seems continuous. Like it just seems like this never-ending flow of people running around and the lighting's really on point. I'm just like, this looks great. Yeah, like and this I like it. this was still near the beginning where I'm just like, once again, on board for this movie. Yeah. But yeah, it, there's lulls though that kind of steal from that energy. Yeah, and I, I mean, I wonder if it's it's our sensibilities to this sort of thing, or if maybe straight men derive more pleasure out of these tales of of thwarted heroicisms. Because mm. like a lot of this is about sort of thwarted masculinity in a way. It's like they are struggling to get back to their home base. Right. Because they've been wrongfully accused of killing this Cyrus character. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, uh, maybe this just registers more with, with certain demographics mm-hmm. than it registers with, with me. Also, our heroes are kind of rapey. <laughs> Let's just put that out there. They do use the phrase, pull a train. You're going to jump me? Maybe we ought to pull a train on you. You look like you might even like it. Yeah, my note after that is like, were they going to gang rape her? What the fuck? I mean, it seemed like it was all talk, but the fact that they're all okay threatening gangbanging this lady. Uh, not great. Not, not a good look, great, guys. And then there's that one who ends up getting arrested by the police who is like 100% a rapist, right? He's like definitely fuck someone against their will. Uh, is that the James Remmer character? I'm not sure. He was the one who, like... With the gap in his teeth? Yeah, he left the, the group to go hit on that girl who turned out to be a cop. Yeah. So, so I he's a character actor, and, like, if you looked him up now, you'd probably recognize him, because, like, he's aged all right. Oh, okay. Um, I know him best from Sex in the City. He was uh, Samantha's, like, hotshot boyfriend that she was, like, thinking about becoming uh, monogamous for. Oh, but his voice has only deepened as the years have gone on. Okay. And, uh, yeah, he's a character actor. He shows up in a bunch of different stuff. Okay. We lose him in the group. We also lose someone very unceremoniously in a wrestling match on the subway that was really never addressed again. In a wrestling match? Remember he was like, there was that one guy, he was the one who actually saw David Patrick Kelly shoot Cyrus. Okay, yeah. And... You can't say the one with like the big hair because <laughs> everyone has big hair. Uh-huh. But um he was he the one that was like initially accused like David Patrick Kelly was like that's the guy who yeah, did it. Yeah, I think so. And so when they're in the, they're in one of the subway s- stations and he's wrestling with the cop and they like roll off onto the the tracks and oh, the train runs him over. Yeah. The, the gang never talks about yeah. it. They never acknowledged that they lost a member of their group. Well, because at the beginning, when that guy, like, when David Patrick Kelly was like, that's, I saw him, he's the one who, who shot Cyrus, it's like, oh, they're picking the black guy out of the gang. Oh, no, not that guy. Oh. I'm actually talking about the one who, when they meet up with the, the orphans gang. Yeah. And they're having a parlay. Uh-huh. Um, and it's Swan, and he has, like, his, the other guy that comes up to talk with them with him. Oh. He's the one who dies on by the subway. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But the one you're talking about the one with like the the handkerchief on his head? Does he have a handkerchief on his head? I honestly don't remember now. Oh boy. Yeah, he disappears too now that I think about it. I think. <laughs> anyway, they lose members of their gang and they never acknowledge it, which is yeah. so like macho straight man. Well, I just remember when Kelly like accuses him, I was like, "Oh, it's it, I was like that's right. This takes place in a in a pre-racial America, which has a lot of current vibes. Here we are in a, a re-racial America. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. It's just you know watching this at the the tail end of like the Black Lives Matter protests and things like that. I'm like, oh, this white guy blamed the black guy 
for the shooting. Yeah, for a second there, I was like, oh my God, did I like just, you know, pick a movie that's really prescient about our time? <laughs> uh-huh. And it's like, not, not really. really. <laughs> it's not so much like the cops are the problem as like, it still sort of presents gangs and infighting as Ye- the problem. Yeah, I mean, this was still very much like your taxi driver era of New York. Mm-hmm. I think it was in like 1977 when they had like the guardian angels, like the vigilante group of citizens that like patrolled the streets at night to watch out for things like gang violence and stuff like that. Like, I don't think that started going away until like the late eighties or something like that. Yeah. But, it I is mean, cool that they filmed this all in New York in the late seventies. Yeah. Yeah. I love like seventies, New York movies. I mean, I like watching it. It sounds like living there was a shithole. Oh, no, I don't want to live there. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, watching them. I mean, yeah, there's that long, wordless scene where uh, Swan and Mercy, is that the name of the girl? They're sitting on the the subway, and they're gross and dirty. And then that, like, those two prom, I'm assuming they went to the prom because they look like they're dressed up to go to the prom. They come in and they sit down on the subway across them and they all just sort of like look at each other. That just makes you or gives me the impression that like, yuck, growing up in the city is gross. You get dirty and like it's not a glamorous thing. Yeah, I I feel like I read something somewhere that was like they purposely did not want to glamorize gang violence. So like this was supposed to be the opposite of say West Side Story that sort of like like gang violence was clean cut and it was just like if violence happens that's like a one-off event and they wanted to like show gang violence like no it's bad and like none of these people are really happy about it it's just they feel like they have no other like sense of belonging elsewhere mm-hmm. and so they wanted to not glamorize it which I don't know if they accomplished because it's that paradox of like violence looks cool on film so like even if you make it grisly it's still sort of exciting and visually enticing yeah when you say it that way it almost makes me wish the movie was more i don't want to say well i I want more fantasy anyway Mm because that's how i remember the movie and i think that was i liked it better that way but um if you also like fantasize the violence a little more Mm -hmm. like it could make it more I mean, the only word I can think of is fun. I don't want this movie to be fun. But it's like when people get hit with baseball bats in this movie, it actually seems to hurt them. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, maybe throwing a a baseball bat at the officer's shins. Like, yes, it would hurt. But like maybe something a little bit more fantastical. Give give us like a a Batman zing. (laughs) Maybe not that much. Somewhere in the middle of those two options. Yeah, I don't know. This movie does have um, a... A lot of montages, which I love. Sure. And wipes. It does have wipes. Oh! Yeah. It's like, it just shows that you can have wipes in a dramatic movie. To me. Yeah. But I also think that that sort of speaks to that this movie was trying to be fun. Boy, that that main guy, is it Michael Beck? Is that the main guy's name? From Xanadu? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, But that also had wipes. Yeah. So, man. Maybe it's in his contract. (laughs) Only in films with wipes. Yeah. I need at least five wipes to me. <laughs> but you know what else that this movie has? That's I love a lot you. Of We're fun. on the same page. <laughs> Lynn Thigpen! I mean, she's barely in it. Like, 2% of her body is in this movie. <laughs> but you know that voice. You can't Such not know that voice. voice. All right, gumshoes. <laughs> Three guesses as to who Lynn Thigpen is. (laughs) Carmen Sandiego and her bodacious brood of bandits have done it again. This is our third Lynn Thigpen movie. I mean, we've got to do them all, right? We've got we've got Tootsie. (laughs) We've got to do them all. (laughs) We got we we have we have Tootsie. We have Hello Hello again. again. Hello again. And the Warriors. Yep. Who knows what's next? We're gonna do them all. But uh, love love her voice in this, although. I think she's a little irresponsible as a DJ. Because she didn't uh, source check her findings? Yeah, she's just like... For all you bumpers out there in the big city, all you street people with an ear for the action, I've been asked to relay a request from the Gramercy Riffs. It's a special for the Warriors. That's that real live bunch from Coney. And I do mean the Warriors. Here's a hit with them in mind.
then uh, at the end, she's like, sorry, sorry, warriors. sorry, guys, here's a song. Now, for that group out there that had such a hard time getting home, sorry about that. I guess the only thing we can do is play you a song. I think you should be taking a little bit more responsibility for this. Because how else is anybody, like, how else is anybody supposed to know unless they're listening to this radio station that this is word is going? I don't know. I feel like she's a little culpable, to be honest. <laughs> I kind of miss the days when, like, DJs were, like, this big focal point for a community. Mm-hmm. Like, if you watch Do the Right Thing, Samuel Jackson's a DJ in that. In John Carpenter's The Fog... Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is a DJ mm. or is it Jamie Lee Curtis it might be the other lady in that I've never seen it um, it's pretty good but she plays a DJ who like works out of this lighthouse on the coast I love it and I'm like I want that job <laughs> Clint Eastwood is a DJ and play Misty for me that's right Christian Slater and pump up the volume that was the one I was just about to say <laughs> he's not technically a DJ he's like a talk radio host but maybe he plays music no I it. think he plays music too okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah pirate radio yeah uh, I mean, you know, as podcasters, of course, the modern day radio personalities, part of me kind of wishes that like I had like grown up in a time where you could have like college radio stations. I mean, there are still college radio stations. Yeah. But- we could, I mean, Seattle has a bunch of, um, what is it? It's low uh, frequency broadcast or something like that. Okay. Um, and just, you know, you can reach like. You know, a five mile radius if you want. So we could, we could, if you want to. I think technically podcast reaches further than that, but. Well, but if we wanted to do do it live, we mm. could be like, tune in. And then you could just hear all this without the edits and drops that I put in. Is that uh, enticing for anybody? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's something a little romantic about like a solitary person in a booth playing whatever they want like they cultivate like the 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 tracks of the night yeah djs get romanticized a lot in film but i don't care Love texas them. chainsaw massacre 2 i was gonna say american graffiti but um mm-hmm. i like i mean i, I mean wolfman jack or whatever he's not like a huge character in the movie though no but but everyone's listening to that radio station yeah, yeah. in this movie i like how she's filmed like you just see her mouth mm-hmm. and the microphone and it looks cool. And I just remember the first time I saw this, and this time too, I like kind of sit forward when Lynn Thigpen is on mm-hmm. because it's like, I don't know, because it looks dynamic and she has that great voice, you're like, I want to hear what she's going to say. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Quentin Tarantino famously lifted this for Pulp Fiction when Uma Thurman's like speaking into the microphone when John Travolta enters. Go make yourself a drink and I'll be down in two shakes of a lamb's tail. But I also noticed while watching this that there's like the reel-to-reel music playing. It's not like she puts a record on. It's reel-to-reel music. And in Pulp Fiction, oh. when uh, Uma Thurman puts on music, it's the uh, on reel-to-reel right. as well. So. You know, even though Pulp Fiction was supposed to like take place in present day, Uma Thurman still listens to it on like late seventies technology. Yeah, like you could get Urge Overkill on reel to reel. Nice try. <laughs> I don't know. She, the DJ is a real highlight of this movie. For yeah, me. and I'm glad we've now another box ticked. <laughs> Lin. Oh, I'm sorry. What was that? Lynn Thigpen. Yeah. Oh, it sounded like you said Thin Ligpen. Yeah. <laughs> What's sad is that if she were with us today, I would absolutely reach out to her for an interview. Oh, my God. You know, that's exactly what I was thinking on the way over here. I was like, <laughs> why are all the character actors that we love dead? Like, we can't get Francis Bean on the podcast. Uh, I guess Stephen Tobolowsky's still alive. And so, so is Brad Dorif. Let's ask him. Okay. <sighs> now I'm like daydreaming about Lynn Thigpen being on the podcast. <laughs> I have a lot of questions. I want to ask her about Hello Again. Hello Again. I want to ask her about this movie. I definitely want to ask her about who framed where in the world is Carmen San Diego. <laughs> who framed Carmen San Diego? <laughs> she was, she was innocent the whole time. <laughs> David she... Patrick Kelly framed Carmen San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> and Lynn. Thigpen is out there putting it out there that yeah. Carmen San Diego is the thief. She gets on that mic. She's like, okay, gumshoes. She needs to check her sources. Nowhere to run. <laughs> Poor Carmen. 
Justice for Carmen San Diego. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs> justice for Carmen San Diego. <laughs> okay, so oh yeah, oh man. Okay, we have to. Okay, <laughs> great moments, great moments. I have another great moment. Go for it. Of course, the iconic one that everybody remembers from this movie. Warriors come out to play. Warriors come out to play. I was trying to find a comprehensive list of everything that has referenced that exact moment because I seem to recall there was like some song I listened to as a kid or maybe as a teenager that that opened the track. There is a number of lists out there that was like every time this has been used in popular culture and nothing really sprung out at me, but there is a lot. Oh God, some of these songs I can't say. Lot of rap songs. Okay. Shame on a by Wu-Tang Clan uses it. Uh, People Say by Wu-Tang Clan use it. Okay. I Love It by the East Siders. Warriors by Scarface. Yeah, a lot of, lot of hip-hop songs have used that. I don't know. The first time I saw this movie, like, that was the moment where I was like, oh, no, this movie is really, really good because when the sound of the bottles clinking together comes in, you don't know what it is. Like, it's st- it's very, like... I don't want to say it's like a tense moment, but it is sort of, you know, I'll say it's a tense moment. You just feel like, what is that? I don't know. I don't know. And then it cuts to David Patrick Kelly doing that. And then he starts doing the, you know. He's got a really raspy, high voice. So it's like really scratchy. It's very intense uh, performance. And apparently he ad-libbed that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the bottles, which I'm like. Are you even doing any work there, director uh, uh, Walter, Walter Hill? Hill? I listened to an interview with Walter Hill a year or two ago. He was on Mark Maron's podcast. And people like David Patrick Kelly and James Remmer are like mainstays in his movies. Okay. And Mark Maron, because he's he acts, but he doesn't really consider himself an actor. He's always kind of curious as to like, what directors want from their actors. And uh, Walter Hill said he's like, you know... A lot of people have this image of a director like sitting down with his actors and going over the the motivation and going over the character's intention. He's like, in actuality, like the directors like got to coordinate with the lighting team and the cinematography team, and then like, you know, uh, there's just all these different crews, and then they have to like be like the meeting point between like the producers and the rest of the crew. Director doesn't really have time for that. Yeah. So, like, there's a reason why you see directors work with the same people over and over again. It's because they hire people who they just like what they do. And they just want them to do whatever it is that they do on camera. And so I think that's why, like, David Patrick Kelly was like, I'll just improvise this. And Walter Hill was like, I love it. Let's make that part of the movie. It's real good. It's real intense. It's a, it's a moment that sticks with you for sure. David Patrick Kelly, we've talked about him before. He's, he was on the Commando episode. Um, yeah, he got let go. That's right. He's in Twin Peaks. Yeah. Um, and uh, I also he, know him from The Crow, if you've ever seen the oh, first it's one. It's been a billion years, but yeah. Well, um, what did he do in The Crow? He was like the leader of the gang. He actually, when he died, that was after Brandon Lee had passed away. Mm. And so his death scene is just like edits. <laughs> Oh, is it the one that's like the weird close-ups of Brandon Lee's face? Yeah, yeah, he's like getting duct taped to a seat, and he's like, "Why aren't you talking, man?" <laughs> and you're like, "Oh, because he's dead." But um, very intense actor, always plays bad guys. I've never seen him play a good guy. Yeah, even in Twin Peaks, like I wouldn't necessarily say he's a bad guy in Twin Peaks, but he's sort of a scoundrel. Sure, yeah, but intense actor, really intense in this movie. <laughs> like that part where they're at the convenience store. And the girl's like, hey, what about the money you owe? For what? Um, the food that you just ate. Uh-huh. I don't know. He's uh, he's kind of a rude dude. <laughs> I wanted to talk a little bit about 
the bathroom fight scene. I was feeling this time around, I was like, these fight scenes are kind of lackluster until the bathroom scene. That one is a good one. That one's probably second best fight in a men's room. Mm, third. After Mission Impossible, uh, Ghost Protocol, mm, Fallout. I'll never remember them. All right, fourth best fight in a men's room. Oh, okay. Well, I'm only liking that I was one. thinking of uh, World's End. Oh, okay. And then, shit, maybe your permastone this is rubbing off on me. Oh, Eastern Promises, which is technically a like... A bathhouse. Yeah, in a bathhouse, but it kind of has a bathroom feel to it. Well, I'll give it to you. So, fourth uh, best men's room fight <laughs> scene. I thought that gang was going to be a rolling shoes gang. But it turns out that they're an overalls gang, and just one of them has rolling shoes. How could you fight in rolling shoes? Yeah, though? that's my question. That's what I. That's where I'm going with this. It's probably good that they weren't all on rolling shoes because then they're definitely at a disadvantage. All right. So let's say you could erase cultural norms. Would you wear either rolling shoes or overalls in public? Yeah. Yeah. To both. Why not? Okay, bold you move. Can, you can get places faster in rolling shoes. Uh-huh. Uh, overalls, yeah, that one's It's trickier. like one article of clothing. Like, you're wearing a tank top right now and jean shorts. But what if I have to go to the bathroom in a public place? Or what if I have to go to the bathroom at all? You got to, like, undo them and... Yeah, so? That's, oh, that's a lot of work. No, it's less work. You just un- undo the hooks, the snaps, maybe whatever they there, are. Maybe there's, like, a fly on the overalls. Maybe there is. And we don't know. That, we don't wear overalls. In that case, yeah, and then great. I'm done. Yeah. Overalls and rolling shoes. You don't like the idea life. of getting totally naked in a men's room stall. That's your problem. Well, that's how I usually go to the bathroom. <laughs> All, everything off. Yeah. Shoes and socks? Yeah, that's how I pee. <laughs> you stand on top of the lid, or on the, the seat. The seat's down. You mm-hmm. stand on top of it, lid up. And pee directly down into the basin. Naked. Yeah. Naked. That's how I do it. <laughs> and you're worried that wearing... What's weird about that? Overalls would impede on this? Something tells me you're impeding. <laughs> you're impeding. Yeah. <laughs> and we're back to toilets. <laughs> uh, well, I was just curious. If you get totally naked, then what is the problem with the overalls? They're harder to hang up than regular trousers. Um. Trousers, you say? Well, didn't realize you were going to get all flouncy on me. <laughs> this is a, a highfalutin hoi polloi <laughs> podcast, Matt. i just raise my pinky as I finish my spritz here. <laughs> we are fancy boys. I have two more points, and then I'm done. Okay, go for it. Number one. Let's talk about the Lizzies, which is basically the Lezzies, right? That's a lesbian gang. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Just want to make sure on that one. They weren't featured as nearly as prominently as I would want them to be, though. Yeah. I feel like there should be more girls in the gangs. Not like just a girl gang, but like girl members in the gangs would be nice. Yeah. Otherwise, it just kind of reads gay. Yeah. But the Lizzies is way too close to Lezzies to not be a lesbian gang. Yeah, I'd be hard-pressed to think that they're anything else. Even though they were making out with those dudes, that was just to, like, seduce them, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, that's why I make out with dudes. Okay. It is a little gay that all these m- gangs are just men. Kind of seems to me like if they were straight, they'd all have, like, girlfriends around. I thought, actually, when uh, the one who dated Samantha from Sex in the City was mm-hmm. hitting on that That cop, poker? Yeah. Yeah, I thought that cop. that was... Because he's the one who says faggot three times. Yeah, they do drop the F-bomb a couple times he's in the one. Movie. He's the only one who says it, and he says it three times. And he's like, you going faggot? Which I thought was another going faggot. Never heard it that way before, but whatever. But I thought that that was going to turn out to be a man in drag. Oh. Which really would have been like, in your face. <laughs> but uh, not the case. It's okay. Um, also, where's the gay men uh, gang? Wouldn't that be fun? That would be fun. In fact... I'm a little offended now that there's not one. Yeah. Are, are we not tough enough? Although, if they were going to be in this movie, they'd probably be like ultra rapey. That'd be like their big power play is like, oh, if 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 we get you, that just means you're going to get raped. I mean, the David Patrick Kelly gang looks like a bunch of leather daddies. 
but they don't yeah say, maybe not quite into into like daddy age range but uh yeah they're dressing like rob halford <laughs> yeah which i guess back then people just thought was tough anyway yeah i just feel like uh that's a missed opportunity in my opinion once again i think this harkens back to our desire for this movie to be campier yeah because like if there was a gay gang you know it'd be campy like if you and i were to start a a a a group of street ruffians um hey sailor this isn't your (laughs) neck of the woods is it (laughs) yeah you know there'd be a lot of fanny packs Um, a lot of tank tops. You're just lo- describing what I'm lot wearing. Of short shorts. How dare you? A lot of Converse with uh, dress socks. Okay, well, okay, check. And then the other thing I want to talk about is uh, this director, Walter Hill. Yeah. Producer of all the Alien movies. And he was a writer on Alien 3 and a story by for Aliens. Really? Yeah. He yeah. also did some stuff on Tales from the Crypt. So I'm like, kind of an interesting guy there, Walter Hill, aren't you? Yeah. He, I think he's still around making movies too. Oh, like, yeah. I don't know if they're any good, but they are there. I don't see someone making this movie and being like, you know what? We need an alien space horror movie. <laughs> and a lot of them. Like, <laughs> he just, he produced all of them. He's the producer on all of them. Yeah. Well, you know, he's an industry guy and he, he knows, uh, the touch that a director needs in order to, to make a good movie. Yeah, I just feel like interesting person, probably. Uh, anyway, I still feel like this movie is good with some great moments, but I'm just going to give it like... A... It's three to three and a half stars for me. Yeah, I do recommend it. I just wish it was campier. I wish it was gayer. Yeah. It seems like it's going to be, and then it's not. It's like edging. It's like horrible, horrible edging. Remember when we were talking about Lynn Thigpen? Oh my god, Lynn Thigpen. No one could wear a pantsuit like Lynn Thigpen. Just regular zoot suit riot over there. I'm laughing because you're right. <laughs> God, she just looked great in a pantsuit. <laughs> anyway. Matt, we've reached our new our next double feature. Feature. This is our second double feature in quarantine, by the way. Whoa. So that's depressing in a way. No, wait. Second or third? Oh, God. It is our third. Yeah, this is our third in quarantine. Fuck. I feel like, uh, what's her name in Black Book? Will it never end? (laughs) That's beside the point. This double feature is going to feature an actress very near to my heart, and I'm hoping is or will be dear to yours uh where we're doing a mirin mirin on the wall uh helen mirin double feature i think you're the person who got me into helen mirin we'll get into it but um so the two movies that we'll be doing next week are uh the queen and the cook the thief his wife and her lover i'm not going to remember that second one i'm always going to be the cook the wife the thief the thugger the bug <laughs> you will remember it after you see the movie and you see all those characters okay hopefully and then you're like oh okay the cook the thief his wife and her lover the cook the wife the thief with the boss the yeah got it but uh no i think we'll have fun because one's a very traditional film you know the the directing's invisible to a certain degree and it's very actorly and very uh uh traditional and then the other is uh arty extravaganza okay okay so I have seen The Queen. I have not seen uh, The Cook, The Wife, The Baby, or The Good Dog. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm excited to see something new with Mirren. <laughs> yeah, the, the Cook, The Thief, The Bottom, and Their Baker. <laughs> Should but be yeah. fun. Uh, great. So why don't we go ahead now at this point in the podcast and uh, plug our junk and get the 
fuck out of here? That's right, Ryan. Why don't you head on over to Apple Podcasts right now and give us a five-star review or however you feel we did. I feel personally like we deserve five stars, but you know, you do you. Uh, And then leave us a review, which is also really great. We just got a new one uh, recently that, thank you, listener. I wish I had your name handy, but uh, you said that we are the smartest and funniest movie podcast, a period. And I don't want to brag, but uh, they're right. (laughs) Yeah, sure are. Go to our Facebook account if you're still doing that. There's constant talk that that's just going to be shut down soon. But while it's still up, go there and find us at Rated X Movies. I'm no longer there, so if you try to tag me or something, I'm sorry. Or go to Twitter, uh, where we're very present, at X-Rated Movies. Right. Or email us, x.rated.movies at gmail.com. These are all great ways to contact us. And honestly, we, we love hearing from y'all. It's super fun to talk with people who actually listen to the podcast because we're sitting here in Matt's living room right now talking to each other. And then we put this out on the internet and then to know that people are listening is it, really gratifying. It's the only way that we know that you're not all Russian bots. So, <laughs> Of which we support our Russian bot followers. <laughs> Let's not belittle our Russian bot following uh, contingency. Go to our website to find content that is not available on normal streaming services. Girl, we're already up to like season nine-ish isn't available on streaming. Really good episodes are no longer available on like iTunes and Stitcher. Yeah, so if you go to our website, you can listen to those those episodes and there's some good ones in there. And of course, on the sordid topic of coin. Oh! How could we forget? Go to our Patreon. Patreon.com slash X-Rated Movies. Pick a tier and you will not be disappointed. I'm thinking of adding an even just like dollar, two dollar a month tier and uh, doing uh, something a little extra for people that are a little higher. Only if you can call it the Ryan is a whore tier. Well. (laughs) Whatever. You love it. I guess that's it. Episode 169 in the can. Yeah. Uh, we should have talked about how it's 169 a little bit more. That means it's been 100 episodes since our Midnight Madness episode. That was episode 69? Yeah. <sighs> We're old. <laughs> um. Anyway. So next week, episode 170. Mirin, mirin on the wall. With the queen and the cook, the thief, his wife, and her lover. Until then, keep, keep reaching, reaching for, for that, that rainbow. rainbow.